Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You go right into that for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and then you have the championship game on a cruise ship. This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom, chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now, the Blazers win in four overtime. Plus 40 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. Well, are you stir crazy yet, sports fans? No games to watch. No games to bet on. No games to talk about. No games to anything. <laughs> I've been passing the time watching sports movies. Any good TV I can find, lots of not-so-good or entertaining TV shows. I have been getting into Ozark the last week or so. That's freaking awesome. Season 3 is out. YouTube videos as well. So we're all stuck at home looking for something to do because of the coronavirus pandemic. But with all this free time, everyone's minds have been on overdrive. And with all that extra brain power out there right now, some interesting ideas have been popping up, and that is the main topic of today's podcast, a wacky idea from ESPN's Jay Williams regarding the NBA that I think might work, playing the NBA playoffs on a set of cruise ships. No, you didn't hear me wrong. The idea of the NBA playoffs happening on cruise ships has been thrown out there, and I think it's a great idea and one of the best ways to restart not just the NBA, but the entire world of sports. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode 13 of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you have any burning questions about Rip City or the NBA you want answered on the show, or if you heard something I said, want to tell me I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter on the air, Jordan with an O. This show available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thank you for tuning in today. Not a lot going on. A lot of people looking for entertainment. Hopefully you're finding this podcast. And if you're a new listener, thank you for trying it out. Uh, So not a lot going on right now. Uh, League and TV networks doing what they can to entertain. Uh, This is pretty cool. Sounds like the NBA is going to be holding a 2K tournament Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, Andre Drummond, and others, all players in a 2K tournament. That's happening later this week. NASCAR drivers have been competing in virtual races, uh, a simulator called iRacing. Pretty freaking awesome. Imagine, you know, these guys like pilots, uh, professional drivers like that, they have these simulators set up in their houses with uh, pretty significant and extensive equipment. And this iRacing program is something that all of these NASCAR drivers regularly train on, and it is really cool. It's a paid service, and FS1 has been airing virtual races of NASCAR drivers competing from home. It's pretty cool. Uh, ESPN moving up the release date of a 10-part documentary about the GOAT, not Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, that that GOAT of the NBA. So... (laughs) We are looking forward to a lot of cool stuff going on related to sports, but we're also trying to shake the boredom off right now. And as we try to shake it off, one question still ringing loud in my mind, as I'm sure it does yours. When will the NBA be back? So it's all speculation at this point. Uh, Different people throwing out a lot of different ideas uh, and scenarios about the NBA 
just either shutting down totally for the end of the season or finding a way to finish the season. One of the crazier ideas, though, has come from the brain of ESPN analyst Jay Williams. Here it is. Have the NBA conduct the playoffs on huge cruise ships. Playoff basketball on a cruise ship? As crazy as the notion sounds, I think it's a possibility. Let's hear Jay Williams from ESPN breaking down how the NBA should get playoff games in for this season. If you are trying to find a way, if this happens in May or June, if we're still not in a great, great place, but maybe we're in a better place, maybe if you can take two of those massive cruise ships and there's testings before everybody goes on the ship, you allow the player and their immediate family, being that wife or their kids, are are allowed to go with them. And you have an Eastern Conference cruise ship and you have a Western Conference cruise ship. Obviously, everything is sterilized all the time. You have the media companies that are able to drop their equipment in. You never really go too shore. You stay out on the cruise ships. And you build two courts on those cruise ships. Now, I know fans may not be allowed to go, but still, the uh, broadcasting companies could actually broadcast these games. The team members and their family members could be isolated to a degree for that span of that's 40 days, whatever it may be. And then you're allowed to potentially have these games, the Eastern Conference Finals. You go right into the playoffs. Maybe you give a week for each team to prepare, uh, but you go right into that for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and then you have the championship game on a cruise ship. All right, lots to unpack there. Uh, um, a really great idea by Jay Williams. I love where he's coming from. I love how his mind's working about this. Really just any part of the NBA season that can be finished here. Uh, the playoffs, obviously, the most important, and you really need a couple of games to get up to that point, uh, kind of get your body going if you are an NBA player. So there are a lot of things logistically to unpack. Uh, the first question that comes to my mind is how the hell – would something like that even work? Is it possible? <laughs> Not to be too cavalier about this, but organized basketball has already happened on a boat, actually multiple times. Back in uh, 2011 and 2012, the NCAA uh, kind of partnered with the Navy. They came together to put on the Carrier Classic. Uh, if you remember that, it wasn't perfect, but basketball games happened on the flight deck of the USS Carl Vinson. Uh, the Armed Forces Classic, that's actually still going on every year. They do the same thing. Though it's not perfect, it is necessary to mention uh, that in 2012, only one half of one game in the Carrier Classic was played uh, that year because of condensation developing on the hardwood. So this isn't a perfect solution here. But if we're talking NBA playoffs, this wouldn't be a situation where the game's played outside, right? They'd be in some courts that are already pretty nice. I think some of these cruise ships actually have basketball courts on them more as a recreational thing uh, for people that are going on the ships while they're on vacation. But still, my point is it is possible. Uh, But if we're talking NBA playoffs and logistically, that is different than just a recreational court. But the cruise ships are massive. Uh, Add that, though, to the staff of pro sports teams. How big are they? Just look at an NBA staff. I mean, a cruise ship has to limit how many people they can host at once. Obviously, a finite space out there in the middle of the ocean. Uh, Say a team from the NBA goes bare-bones staff for a trip like this. I mean, you're bringing all your players and then your coaches, your trainer, uh, probably a communications guy, video guy, uh, reporter, Even if they didn't bring a few of those people, you're still looking at probably a minimum of about 25 people per team. 
So say you take Jelly Williams' idea, you do two ships, eight teams per ship. It could work, but imagine all the extra space you're then going to need for the referees, for the TV crews, for the equipment. That's a lot of equipment that you're going to need to put on a show, basically, for the world like that on a cruise ship. Once again, a finite amount of space that you're dealing with there. I mean, so you you got all that space for the TV, uh, all the equipment, the crews for it, maintenance guys coming on and whatnot. That's kind of where you start to wonder if it's possible logistically. We haven't even talked about whether or not families would be allowed aboard. So so let's just say that this would happen. If I'm an NBA player being asked to do this, you're damn sure I'd want my girlfriend or my wife and kids with me on board, especially during the coronavirus pandemic. So no doubt that the league would, if this did happen, rent two of the biggest ships available but then you have to worry about the space to hold a game. Uh, would they allow family as spectators if they're on the ship already and all healthy and being tested? There's so many logistics to worry about with this. So I guess the simple answer of how it would work, uh, the playoffs on a couple of cruise ships, it would take a lot of planning and effort. They would need to build facilities quickly on these ships as well as being able to plan everything that's going on on two different cruise ships with 16 different teams and their families and their employees in a matter of weeks. So, yes, it is possible, but you're looking at a logistical issue making that happen. But but it can happen. Like I said, I like the idea. Jay Williams' mind, I like where it's at. Uh, The second question after would it be possible that comes up for me is would it be fair holding the NBA playoffs on a cruise ship? I I guess the location necessarily doesn't matter if the baskets are 10 feet tall and it's a normal size court. What is that line uh, from Hoosiers? Uh, It's a 90 foot court, boys. Baseline to baseline is the same as it is in our gym. So why are you nervous? You shouldn't be. So, yes, the point is. Any court anywhere that's legal and that has all the necessary equipment, yeah, sure, you're fine. But what about, say, a wave hitting the boat? I I really did have this thought. I'm not saying that it's an actual issue that NBA executives would be talking about. But I do wonder if that was asked, uh, talking about the Carrier Classics, even though these boats, uh, you know, you hear Jay Williams talking about, yeah, they're probably going to be out in the water somewhere, not near the port. Yes, but because you're trying to keep the boat as stable as possible, I would say you want to try and keep it close to a port. So you just kind of wonder if it would be fair because of those I I guess in my mind, it's kind of a stupid issue to think about. The waves knocking against a boat and affecting a player's shot or not, that is uh, maybe something that isn't really worth worrying about now. But if it comes to that point, that is going to be a conversation. Uh, The other part of the fairness aspect I was thinking about kind of comes more into a real-life issue. Uh, The backlash about richer people out there like NBA players specifically, already getting tested for coronavirus or getting coronavirus tests way quicker than regular people, that is a major issue. At first, you heard these coronavirus tests that were going for anywhere from like five to $9,000. Uh, some people, obviously only the rich, able to afford that, and then some people trying to go in and get tests themselves, like me that have just a regular old Joe salary, Yeah, I can't pay for that. My fiancé and I, we can't do that. And even if you are severely sick, because these coronavirus tests have been so limited in places, 
you're not getting tested. Even if you think you have symptoms and you have a fever, I've read stories about people that are sick for up to seven to 10 days with coronavirus symptoms that, at least in the beginning, were not able to get tested. Now, the coronavirus tests are starting to get a little bit more saturated out there, but it's a slow process. So that backlash about NBA players getting tested is a major issue. How okay would people be with more tests being used to facilitate that kind of plan instead of, you know, with, with a plan of the NBA making the playoffs happen on two cruise ships? How, how would people feel about that instead of a thousand tests or so going towards people that need it as a matter of life and death? It's a real-life conversation poking its head into sports here. And it's been a huge concern amid the coronavirus pandemic. I would think a lot of people want their relatives tested long before just handing something, like I say, like a thousand tests or more to the NBA so they could facilitate this. So uh, obviously that wouldn't be a problem if testing wasn't an issue. But as with all new viruses, it's been a climb up a mountain getting tests distributed and working to make them cheaper and more widely accessible. It's happening But it's been a slow process, so that is something that I think about. Are people, fans, desperate for sports, even as desperate as we are, are we willing to give those tests up in lieu of people that really need them, like sick relatives or people that uh, that are at risk with underlying conditions or senior citizens? That, That is definitely something that you want to know. Hey, why would they just be getting a bunch of tests to make this happen? So definitely a conversation to have. Um... This is, once again, just an idea here, but I do think that people would have an issue with the NBA just being handed a bunch of tests like that. All right, so two questions there uh, for Jay Williams's idea. Uh, I have a third to add to that. How likely is it the NBA actually does something like this? First, uh, is this possible? Second, would it be fair? And third, how is this likely that the NBA would do something like this? In my opinion, it could happen. The idea may need some tweaking, but the overall spirit and plan are along the lines of what most prognosticators out there are coming up with for ideas on how to play out the NBA season. Honestly, I think the league is desperate to get games going again somehow. Uh, Listen to the editor of LeBron Wire, Eric Gunderson. He came on Believe in Trailblazers last week talking about the league's relentless effort to finish the season no matter what. Here's Eric. The owners and the players are going to continue and finish the season no matter what. So I think however long this hiatus goes, they're just going to wait and then they're going to restart the 2019-20 season and they're going to figure out a way to crown a champion. I do think that there's a world in which in September resume the regular season and play through the playoffs and then they could start the next season like next March or something. Uh, that is a hot take from Eric Gunderson, and I was actually very surprised when I heard that last week. Thanks again to Eric Gunderson for coming on Believe in Trailblazers. So if the NBA decided to play out the rest of the season no matter what, then the landscape of sports, you know, the yearly sports schedule, how our lives work, how we meet up with people following sports uh, to go watch those events, that's going to change forever. I would assume that the league wants to get going ASAP so they can protect their brand and their assets as much as possible. But they have to continue to take the coronavirus pandemic seriously as they have. Of course, uh, if you've been living under a rock, the NBA really the first major entity, a sports league. 
the NBA being the leader in getting people to actually realize that the coronavirus was a major issue when they shut down. So they have been taking this seriously. I mean, Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics, two other L.A. Lakers have also tested positive for coronavirus as well as a few other players. Of course, uh, patient zero in the NBA, Rudy Gobert. He's actually feeling better now. Uh, Knicks owner James Dolan uh, has coronavirus, which I doubt people are too upset about. But, But my point is it's affecting the NBA just like every one of us. So I would think that a return to playing in mid to late June is realistic, but I doubt fans will be present. So this whole cruise ship idea provides a legitimate place where a group of healthy people could theoretically spend a lot of time together. But what about the losers though? So do teams that get knocked out of the playoffs, would they just leave or are they forced to stay on board? It's not like the cruise ship is the worst place in the world to spend a few weeks, you know, as long as no one has coronavirus on board, of course. You got a casino, you got a lot of clubs, you got places to eat. So if they have the cruise ship fully stocked, and I'm assuming it would be more of a luxury cruise ship, yeah, these guys probably wouldn't mind spending a few weeks, once again, as long as no one has coronavirus on the ship. It does sound counterintuitive, though, to talk about holding a big event in a place that has been such a petri dish for this virus, there isn't really anything other than logistics and optics preventing the NBA from doing this. So I know it's counterintuitive, but this is actually a good idea. So while I think the NBA will definitely finish its season, as cool and as good as the idea is, I will put the percentage of a chance of NBA playoffs happening on a cruise ship at 50%. It's a coin flip. But I love the brain power and I love the ingenuity from ESPN's Jay Williams. It's such a fun idea to think about. All right, basketball fans, now it's time for this week in Blazers history. This is the time we set aside each week to highlight a player or moment key to Rip City that happened that week. Um, NBC Sports Northwest, they've actually been doing a great job. Absolutely off the hook. Uh, with airing classic games that they have on TV throughout this coronavirus pandemic. Uh, Game 5 against the Utah Jazz back in the 2000 Western Conference semis. I think Scottie Pippen went off during that game. Brandon Roy's magical fourth-quarter comeback against Dallas in Game 4 of the 2011 first-round playoffs. So really good classic moments have uh, been all around for Blazers fans to catch lately. So instead, I wanted to react to something that current Blazer Carmelo Anthony said while on Instagram Live. He was actually on with Dwayne Wade just having a fun chat. It's one of the ways that NBA players have kind of been uh, just killing the time during this coronavirus pandemic, and it's been fun to watch. Uh, So listen to what Carmelo Anthony says to Dwayne. I don't think this is hot take status, but it will raise some ears. Listen to the claim made by Carmelo Anthony. If I would have went to Detroit, I, I know I'd have had uh, two, maybe two or three rings. Really? You you heard him right. He thinks that if he were drafted by the Detroit Pistons instead of the Denver Nuggets in 2003, he would have won two or three rings. Obviously, no rings right now for Melo. The 2003 draft contained some of the best players in history, though. So do you think he's right? Do you think he would have won two rings or more with the Pistons? Let me know. Hit me up on the air, Jordan. And the top three picks of the 2003 draft, I I should mention, they still are talked about even 20 years later. The number one overall pick, of course, very easy. An 18-year-old named LeBron James going to the Cavaliers. But the debate at who would be picked 
at the number two spot was never ending at the time. And like I say, people still talk about it to this day. The Pistons, the Detroit Pistons had the choice between a young European big man and Darko Milicic or a kid fresh off of an NCAA title with Syracuse, one-and-done college kid Carmelo Anthony. Well, the Pistons chose the big man in Milicic, and Darko looked like a bust pretty quickly after the draft, not seeing really any time on the court until his 34th season in the NBA. And then, of course, Melo going to Denver at number three overall. So the question remains, could Carmelo Anthony have won two or three titles, like he says, playing with the Pistons instead of the Nuggets? ESPN's Stephen A. Smith provided insight on that. He'd have at least one. I can promise you that. Uh, possibly two. Let's remember something here. Joe Dumas, um, an otherwise exceptional executive that I still believe should have an executive's position in the NBA today, uh, the most glaring mistake he ever made was drafting Darko Milicic. But let's understand why he did that, um, as egregious as some may think that is. He had Tayshaun Prince with Rashid and Ben Wallace, with Rip Hamilton, and Chauncey Billups with the Lindsey Hunters of the world coming off the bench. And Carmelo Anthony's rookie year, the Detroit Pistons won the title. That's when they beat the Lakers. The next year, they went to the NBA Finals and lost in seven games to the San Antonio Spurs. All right, Stephen A. making some great points here. He gets paid millions to make them, so they better be good. But that was a great take. I don't always agree with what he has to say. But Stephen A. Smith from ESPN talking about why Joe Dumars did not draft Carmelo Anthony. You know, looking at the roster, he makes a lot of good points. Darko was a better fit for the Pistons roster at the time. Though to that point, I wholeheartedly disagree with Joe Dumars' strategy as a general manager. I firmly believe that you always draft the better player at whatever position that it has nothing to do with the hole that you need to fill on your roster. If you're full at that spot or you have a star Work out a trade after you draft the most talented kid that it's going to benefit you most, either draft day itself or during the first season of his contract if it's not working out or you can't find him playing time. So while Joe Dumars was a great exec, I agree with Stephen A. Smith, he should still be in the league. I don't like the strategy that some teams employ when they look at the best player available but only at their positional need. I can't stand that, and I think that teams miss out way too much on talent and franchise-changing talent when they do that. But Stephen A. Smith also reminds us that the Pistons in 04 and 05 were stacked. <laughs> yeah, I believe Melo could have won a couple of championships with Detroit, but with so many other guys demanding the ball and the fact that those guys like Ben and Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey Billups made Detroit tick, how would Melo have fit in? I'm really not trying to knock the guy. I love him as a dude, and I love watching him play. But does anyone remember his attitude toward the Nuggets when he wanted out before the final year of his contract in the middle of his career? He held that organization hostage for months until they traded him to his chosen destination, the New York Knicks. And what did he go on to do for the Knicks? He scored a lot, and he got mad when Jeremy Lin scored more than he did. Once again, I'm not trying to bring this up to rag on Melo. I'm bringing it up solely to remind people that he was unhappy when he didn't get his way as a younger player in the NBA. 
So while I do believe that he would have won eh, one, maybe two rings with the Pistons, would he have done it as an impact player or a younger guy coming off the bench for 20 minutes a game? He was the guy in Denver. When the Pistons already had like three main guys, uh, would they have had to get rid of Tayshaun Prince at that point? I mean, I know Tayshaun didn't light up the stat sheet every night for the Pistons, but I've always thought that he was the oil in the cogs for that team. He was the part that they needed to make everything run smoothly. So could they have even won a title without Tayshaun Prince if he had to give a guy like Carmelo Anthony minutes? I guess, most likely, they were just too damn good, the Pistons of 04 were. And while Melo would have as well, obviously being on that team like he says that he would have won a championship with, I'm not sure that he would have won a title with the exact role he was looking for at the time. As a vet, looking back at your career, it's so much easier to look at a team that didn't draft you and say that you you could have been there and you could have won. Good old hindsight, right? But I believe, I do, I do believe that he would have won at least one ring if he played for the Pistons, regardless of how the team would have been stacked in 04 and 05 with him. But I just don't think that his career trajectory would have gone the exact same. Maybe I'm crazy, so he would have won a ring or two, but I don't think you'd be looking at Carmelo Anthony like you do as Carmelo Anthony today. Well, that's a wrap on episode 13 of Believe in Trailblazers. If you have any burning questions about the team you want answered or you think I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter on the air, Jordan with an O. This show available wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Please hit the download button and subscribe wherever you listen. You also can find the show at Believe.com and Believe Podcasts on Twitter. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at Believe.com. That's all for now. Portland fans, please, please stay healthy and continue to wash your hands as we all try to fight the coronavirus pandemic together while staying quarantined all apart. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.